on this episode of Why Watch That. They're going to look different. They might have different ideas. You might have different ideas. You're going to look different. So if you're going to have a soulmate, that means that this test would have to predict what you would think as the other person, as your partner changes. How is that possible? If you're going to take yourself very seriously on this topic, you better land it. You better be serious and we get scared and we're with you and we believe the whole world like the exorcist, right? Even the exorcist TV show. Is that what's going on here? We see how their relationship develops. Can they trust each other? Maybe not. And where is her crew? Now, the Federation is no more. My goodness, you get these vampire monsters in episode one. You then get a haunted house. You get people who want immortality. You get uh, shape-shifting. You get exorcisms and possession. You get uh, curses. You get interdimensional time travel. It has everything in the book. Why Watch That as a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head-to-head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. Well, nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome, Welcome to, to Why Watch, Watch That. This episode of Why Watch That is supported by Entrepreneur Meal Plan. It helps leaders and professionals feed their bodies and businesses well. You know, Critic, I got Mm. a chance to attend a wonderful event by EMP here Uh in Los Angeles. And it was so amazing because Brandy Cochran was able to gather people from all sorts of walks of life. We were able to gather together, have real talk, and some real good food too. Mm -hmm. It was a hit. It's food for the soul and the body, which is so hard to find. So if you want to learn more about Entrepreneur Meal Plan, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, go to entrepreneurmealplan.com. The Why Watch That Talk. I think we're alone now. (laughs) Hey, everybody. It is The Critic. Yes, the ref is still on vacation. I'm now going to talk some TV. Can you believe it? TV is still going. And let me tell you, it's creeping up. The flame is getting bigger and bigger, brighter and brighter. We're getting more and more things to talk about and to watch. So let's find out if anything is right for you. I'll tell you, some of this stuff was right for me. Now, we have a bunch of series premieres. We have a season premiere. And we have a couple of season finales. So let's start with the premieres, Soulmates on AMC. Now, Soulmates was renewed for season two before it premiered. Is it that good? Is it that good? Now, this is an anthology series, and it's a literal one, meaning... It doesn't change casts and storylines from season to season. Instead, it changes from episode to episode. And the main conceit is that in the future, they figured out a way to find your soul mate. You go in for a test and they find a match. As long as your match has also taken the test. Now, if your match hasn't, then it's pending. What? Now, in the first two episodes, which have aired as of this taping, uh, in the very first episode, there's a married couple. They're very happy. They look like the perfect couple. 
But what happens when one of them thinks, hmm, should I take this test? Why would you want to do that? So this is the complication that comes in and they're not the only ones. A lot of people who've been in marriages, even happily in other relationships have taken the test. Does the test confirm that they're with the person they're supposed to be with? And if it doesn't, how do they react? In the second episode, there is a guy who took the test. He's a professor. He's waiting to have tenure. He's married. His wife is the daughter of his boss at work. Uh oh. But he took this test, but he decided not to get the results. He wanted them blocked. But someone shows up and says to him, Hey, I'm your soulmate. What? Now, how was she able to do this? Because he blocked his information. She shouldn't have access. Should that be a red flag for him? How does he react? Because his marriage, he loves his wife and he loves his job and he wants that tenure. Okay. So what's that going to look like as it plays out? So I'll say as a quick review, in the first episode, it introduced the concept. I was kind of like, it's okay. I mean, it's fine. You know, the actors were fine. Sarah Snook, from um, from a succession was in this episode and so on and so forth. So I was like, mm, it's okay. Because the thing about me is when it comes to this concept, I understand what's going on here. And think about it this way. What does it mean to have a soulmate? What is that actually? And how could a test figure that out for you, right? Soulmate meaning for the rest of my life. Now, hold on. What we have in our heads are brains. And one of the main points of having a brain is to run costs and benefits. Those costs and benefits change over time because the stimuli changes, okay? Meaning this, if you're with somebody in a relationship 10 years from now, 20 years from now, the cost and benefit will adjust. They're gonna look different. They might have different ideas. You might have different ideas. You're gonna look different. So if you're gonna have a soulmate, that means that this test would have to predict what you would think as the other person, as your partner changes. How is that possible? So I was always already looking at this like, hmm, and do they get into some wrinkles in the test? Is the test foolproof? You'll find out if you watch the show. Now, the second episode I thought was more interesting. There was more to it. There were twists and turns happening here. Is it nasty? I'll tell you it is, but nasty in what way? So it'll be an episode by episode thing. The overall concept to me is okay. It's more on what they do with it. I'll probably keep watching just to see where it goes. I don't know if I'll finish though. That's the question. Now, moving on from soulmates into something that's also dealing with hopefully not what we're going to see in the future, but it's something coming up. And this is Next. Next is on Fox right now. And Next stars John Slattery of Mad Men fame. Uh huh. And he stars as a man who created this company. And this company, he's now been told to leave, okay? Now, why? There is a strong reason why he has erratic behavior and so on. Is there a reason behind that? What's the explanation? And he was booted out of this company by his very own brother who co-founded it with him. Hmm. Now, at the start of this series, we see a man who's rushing. He's in his car. He's going to different places. Something seems to be chasing him. What? We can't see it. And this something has control over the electronic things that are in his way, in his path. Is it a computer? Yes. That's what next is. Next is artificial intelligence. 
And what kind is it though? Now it is able, this next software, it is able to rewrite itself, to improve itself. So it keeps iterating and iterating. So imagine if you've written a computer program that can rewrite itself, what would it do? Would you be able to control it? Wow. Okay. So this thing is getting out of control. It's getting smarter and smarter, better and better. At some point, the humans will not be able to stop it. The only way to get away from its grip is to get away from anything that has anything to do with computers and the internet and things like that. Is that possible? So what is this man's connection to this next thing? Hmm? Now, there is also a certain agent for the FBI, a special agent. She's in charge of a team. They have this big case they're about to release, crack, done. It's going to make her career. But she gets roped into this next thing. John Slattery's character, Paul, and she end up at his old company to investigate what happened to the man I talked about at the beginning of this episode. There are other strange things happening as well. And when they go there, the company's like, okay, well, here's the thing we're working on. It hasn't even been connected to the internet. Is that true? Now, as a consequence, what we find out is the special agent here, Agent Salazar, she has a family. She has a husband. She has a young son. And they have a certain thing in their home, mm -hmm, like an Alexa-type device. And this device is talking to her son, but talking to her son in a way that is very strange. Now, the device doesn't do this when the son is around his parents, only when he's alone. Where is that going to lead? And remember, Paul, played by John Slattery, has a problem. He has a problem. How's that going to play out? He's estranged from not only his brother we talked about, but also his daughter. Hmm. So that's what's starting here and next, all of these kinds of conflicts, not only from the computer software, but also familially and so on and so forth. So the question is, is this worth the watch? Of course, I'll tell you this. If you want to see a kind of sci-fi thriller crime thing, if this is your jam, you might want to check it out. The writing is very challenging, but I do like the ideas of it. Um, the question is, will they be creative enough to create situations that are going to keep your interest? Because again, the actual writing is not that good at all. I think John Slattery is a nice choice as the, the guy here who's kind of this, um, in his own world. Uh, you, you know, he doesn't really relate well to people. He says what's on his mind. He's very smart, but he's unstable. All of that stuff works for him. Uh, I'm still watching it right now, but I'll, I'll, I'll again tell you, unless this is your kind of thing, you may not find it so compelling. It's fine. It's all right. So now moving on, on Apple TV, not Apple TV Plus, sorry, on Disney Plus, uh-oh, we have the right stuff. Another show about astronauts going into space. This is based on the book of the same name by Tom Wolfe. It is based on the movie adaptation of that book from 1983 that was written and directed by the great Philip Kaufman. Uh, let's talk about this. I've seen three episodes so far out of eight total. It is a limited series. So what's happening here? Well, it is about the Mercury 7 astronauts. Okay, so this is about how they chose 
seven astronauts to finally go to the moon and win the space race against Russia. Now, uh, what we see here is Jake McDormand plays Alan Shepard and Patrick J. Adams, yes, of Suits fame, fame, plays John Glenn. And then we have others playing other real figures from history. Now, if you don't know Jake McDormand, he was in Limitless, the TV show, which I still mourn its cancellation. So he was the lead in that. So really, they're the two main ones, and we have others as well. So we see how they're actually chosen to take part in this. Not only uh, chosen to become a part of the Mercury 7, are they, but chosen out of a group of a whole bunch of other pilots. So what's that whole process like? Also, what's it like from NASA's perspective? Remember, they haven't gone to the moon yet. This is very early, early, early on before there's a lot of funding, before there is this robust uh, whole uh, sector when it comes to space and all of that. So it's just building up. So we see these guys, we see their personalities, who's straight laced, who's not. They're all married, but who's faithful, who's not, who wants the limelight, who doesn't, who's really serious about getting to the moon. Uh, who wants to be the first one on the moon. All of that stuff plays out with their personalities, but they also have their families. And we do see some of their wives. How do their wives react to this? What if you're estranged from your wife and now this happens? Because keep in mind, this is big news. Time Magazine is involved. How are they going to report it? What are you going to present to the world as the truth of your situation? Uh Uh-huh. So, We see this, we see it play out. We've seen this kind of thing before. Uh, First Man uh, with Ryan Gosling starring in that, that comes to mind. On Apple TV Plus, uh, For All Mankind comes to mind, but For All Mankind, same kind of thing, but it's alternate history. So they took this story and said, what if the Russians won? So now what about the right stuff? The right stuff in the beginning, I thought was pretty good. I was like, okay. You know, they've gotten the beats. I've seen all of this before, but I like space stories. Uh, I like astronaut stories, things like that. Fine. Uh, First two episodes, okay. Then the third episode, it started to slow down a bit. And that's not really good for this because it's not distinctive. Unlike Tom Wolfe's writing, I haven't read this book, but I've read Tom Wolfe. He wrote Bonfire, The Vanities, and other things like that. His writing is electric, That's what it is. Whether you like it or not, there's a lot going on. There's energy. You don't get that energy in the show. You got it in the movie in certain parts, definitely, but not in this show. So this is, again, more like For All Mankind. However, it's not the alternate history, so it's not as interesting. You don't get as much as well so far of what's happening in their lives, of what's happening with the people who are not astronauts. It's more focused on them. You get a bit of that, but not as much. I do think it's an interesting choice to put this on Disney Plus because what is Disney saying? Are they trying to get more adults in here? Because this is not for families necessarily or for kids. Definitely not. It is more adult fare, but it's adult fare that would be more palatable to families. I would say that. So it's interesting what Disney did here because uh, early on, uh, first they were going to release it on National Geographic on Nat Geo, but then that changed. Hmm. So, so far it's okay. It doesn't have the spice you would expect from a Tom Wolf adaptation, but depending on you, whether you like space stuff and you want it just straight down the line, pretty much, you do see 
some of their extracurricular activities, not being faithful and things like that. But if you want to see pretty much a traditional story, then the right stuff might be for you. Now, something that's completely different premiering on Hulu, all 10 episodes now available, is Hellstrom. Now, Hellstrom is based on Marvel Comics characters, but it ain't what you typically think of for Marvel. Because this is dealing with demons. That's where we are here. So what happens is Hellstrom is actually a family name of two siblings, a Damon and Anna. And their mother is possessed, played by Elizabeth Marvel, okay, who was in Homeland. She was uh, the eventual president in that. All right. And their father is a serial killer who, is he dead? Is he gone? What's going on there? So mom is locked up in a psychiatric ward And Damon's the only one who can really communicate with her. The demon is taking over and is killing her. It's been a long time. Anna is off doing her own thing. She is, she has her own um, auction house, you know, that kind of stuff. But both Damon and Anna have certain powers, certain abilities. So there's something that happens that brings them together. But what is that reunion like? Why has Anna been away so long? What does Anna think about her mother? Is she able to access her mother at all? And there is someone who's been sent by the Vatican to observe what Damon does, because Damon is the one who goes in and is an exorcist, but he's not sanctioned by the church. He doesn't come in the name of God. Why not? Now, remember, he and his sister are children of someone who's possessed. How does that play out to their abilities? So he's really not that big of a fan of the church at all. So when this nun comes in, who's been trained to do this kind of work, how does he receive her? What is she up to? Is she going to take no for an answer? Is she going to listen to him? Is she going to listen to uh, the person who runs the psychiatric hospital, Louise Hastings, who's had experience with Damon and trusts him? Hmm. Now, here's the thing in my review. This show takes itself very seriously and okay if you're going to take yourself very seriously on this topic you better land it you better be serious and we get scared and we're with you and we believe the whole world like the exorcist right even the exorcist tv show is that what's going on here no i was looking at these people going i don't buy you for a second except for elizabeth marvel maybe (laughs) she's the only one i was kind of interested in not enough of her Damon and all of that, not buying it, played by Tom Austin, not buying it at all. I just think that it's it's more of a bore than it is exciting or, or frightening or thrilling or anything like that. Because if, again, you're going to be this serious, you got to go there. You got to really nail it. Otherwise, have a sense of humor. They don't hear. And we have a lot of shows that are either like this or adjacent that you can watch that are better. I mean, there's even from the Kings on CBS, we have evil going on right now. The second season will be coming at some point. So, I mean, this is, it's not really for Marvel people. If you're a horror person, is it for you? Not really. It's whatever. Now, moving on from whatever into a whole bunch of something. And this is Flesh and Blood on PBS. It is in the midst of its run right now. I've seen all four episodes. It will wrap up on air on October 25th. And what's happened here is this. There is 
a matriarch of a family, Vivian. She has three three grown children. Their father died a year and a half ago. So Vivian is dating someone new, Mark. Now, wait a minute, what? The, the, the children are like, what are you doing? It has only been a year and a half. She's like, yeah, it's been a year and a half. And excuse me, your father wasn't perfect. Ooh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Now, Mark is a doctor and, uh, you know, they hit it off, Vivian and Mark. So eventually they come to be married. Oh my goodness. And the kids are like, uh-uh, something's up with this guy because his former wife, his former wife died in what circumstances. Now they also have a nosy neighbor. Okay. And this nosy neighbor is Mary, a play by Imelda Staunton, by the way, who will be the final and new queen in the crown in seasons five and six. So what is her connection to this family? She is the next door neighbor. She just walks into their home. She bakes them things. She's always looking. Mark is looking at her. She's looking at him. They're not getting along. I'll tell you that. And what was her connection in the past to this family with the children? And why is she alone? Why is she so invested in them? Now, at the beginning of this series, there has been something that happened that was not good. Was it a murder? What's going on? The cops are there. There are two detectives and they're interviewing. They start by interviewing Mary, the neighbor. She seems to know a lot about this family. Is she suspicious? They also, throughout the course of the remaining episodes, interview each of the three children. Hmm. Now, each child has something going on. The oldest daughter has finally reached the pinnacle of her profession, but there's somebody who is out to get her because she fired this person. And this also involves her husband. It's a scandal in the offing. Now, the younger of the two daughters, she is in a relationship that maybe she shouldn't be in. Mm-hmm. Yep. That kind of thing, if you know where I'm going. Maybe she shouldn't. Is she pregnant? Is she not pregnant? This is tied into her job as well. What's wrong with these people? <laughs> now, the son, he is estranged from his wife. They have two young children. And why is he estranged with his wife? What's going on there? Is something to do with money. And because of that, kicked out of the home, how does he find a new place to stay? What does he pay in rent? Hmm. So he's trying to get back with his wife. Will he be able to succeed? So it's all of these relationships going on with this crime that has happened. Now that leaves Mark and Vivian. They're the only two not being interviewed by the detectives. Did something happen to one of them? You'll have to watch to find out. Now, I'll tell you that they, some of them are saying, hey, we want to have a season two. So the story continues. And this is just a bunch of people who have all kinds of problems. And you're thinking who did what, who's the victim of what, things like that. Because Vivian, throughout the four episodes, she gets ill for the first time. Mark is a doctor. The kids are like, is he the one causing her to be sick? And he's like, I'm a doctor. What's wrong with you? Mm. So this is soap operatic, but it's from the Brits. It's from across the pond. So it's very level-headed. It's like this. It's like if the Brits got a Shonda Rhimes script and they said, okay, let's make this British. Let's do Shonda Rhimes in a British way. 
level-headed, not over the top, but you have all of those soap operatic themes. The actors are good and it's fine. It's like good viewing. If you like this kind of thing, but you don't want all of the heat of a Shonda Rhimes, all of the ridiculousness, over the top ridiculousness, then Flesh and Blood is for you. It's just ridiculous enough, but it's properly ridiculous. It's It has a ridiculousness that's very, uh, uh, let's say, responsible. <laughs> Now, moving on to another show, airing on PBS, just like Flesh and Blood, from across the pond, just like Flesh and Blood. It's six episodes in total. It has already been renewed for season two across the pond. I've seen all six episodes. Because remember, you can go to PBS Passport if you want to pay $5 a month, and you can see some of their shows, all episodes before they air. So this is another one. It ends on air on uh, November 8th. Let's talk about it. So what's happened is there is this solar flare that's coming. And solar flares are very bad when it comes to energy systems and computer systems and things like that. So in Great Britain, they see this coming. They hope it doesn't come, but you know what happens. Now, what's the result of this solar interference? Well, the power goes out. How do you restore it? Right. And you can't just turn the lights back on. You've got to replace transformers and things like that. They don't have enough to go around. This is a disaster, a disaster. So people are going to be going weeks without power. What's going to happen now? This is in a Brexit like environment. So there are people who are already angry about certain things going on, about immigration and other things like that. And there's the prime minister who's at the head here who's trying to hold on to his job. And there is a home secretary or home secretary, as we say over here, who is angling for his job. How? How is he going to do that? And this man, this home secretary who's angling to be prime minister, he's on the side of the people who are nationalists. The prime minister is not necessarily. Now, they're from the same party. So who's going to win that discussion? And the prime minister has his chief of staff and she is no nonsense. Don't mess with her. But does she have any weaknesses? Because somebody very mysterious from her past comes back into her life. At first, she's looking at him going, what? What are you doing here? What's that about? Hmm. Now, she's married and she has kids, but she works long hours. So she has a place where she can stay that's closer to work. And what happens because of that? Now, the prime minister, he has a family as well, a wife and a a daughter. And this daughter, her friend, dies tragically. Is the daughter to blame? Drugs are involved. Can they sweep this under the rug? Who knows about what the truth is when it comes to this? Hmm. All right. Now, when it comes to the home secretary, there is another member of the government here who knows everybody's secrets. Who does she side with? Because the Home Secretary does not like the Chief of Staff and the Prime Minister. He wants her out for a particular reason and for reasons broadly. So that's all of the political machinations happening. And then they also have to contend with the social uprising that's threatening to happen. The people who are fed up, now that the power's off, are you going to bring it to us? Now, in Northern England, that's the that's the, the hot spot here because they have trouble bringing the Transformer there. Plus, are they even going to do that? They don't have enough Transformers to go around. So all of this bubbles up to the surface and explodes. 
And the question is at the end, who's left standing? Whose career is in shambles? Whose career is not? Whose family life is in shambles? Whose family life maybe is not? Remember, there is a season two. I'll tell you that I mentioned when it comes to flesh and blood, this is like if across the pond, they got a Shonda Rhimes script and made it more British. Cobra is like if Shonda Rhimes did a British show. <laughs> Just flip the order there. So she would take a British script and make it have more heat. That's what's happening here. Still British, but more heat going on. There is a thriller aspect to this. There's the political aspect. All of that's happening. I'll say that some of it is ridiculous, but it's entertaining. It is entertaining. Is it great television? It's not great. It's like good. It's entertaining. So if you want to see something like what Shonda Rhimes would do if she were hired by British television, then Cobra is for you. We'll see what happens in season two. Not bad at all. Now, that takes care of our series premieres. What about the season premiere? A big one. Season three of Star Trek Discovery. CBS All Access is the only place you'll find it. Yes, it is. We have Sonequa Martin-Green starring as Burnham, the lead here. And what's happened is in season three, because of the events in season two where Burnham and Cat and crew had to save the world, or forget that, save the whole, uh, <laughs> everybody's existence throughout the entire universe. Well, because of this, she's been shuttled forward 930 years She's 930 years in the future. Does she know it? No, it's not on purpose. And she is not with her crew. She's not with her ship. Okay. So she crash lands on this new planet. And in the process, she disrupts a new character. Now, he's someone who essentially smuggles things. But is he trustworthy? He looks at her. She do He doesn't trust her. They, they get to fighting. She's like, don't fight me. I'm not after what you think I'm after. He's like, you're not going to take this certain cargo. So he's misreading her. She doesn't even know where she is. Over the course of episode one, which is the only one that's released as of this taping, we see how their relationship develops. Can they trust each other? Maybe not. And where is her crew? Now, the Federation is no more in this future. This is devastating for Burnham to find out. But there are people who believe still in the idea, who want to bring it back. Can Burnham connect with these people? Can't she find the crew? Can they bring this all back? Why in the world is the Federation gone in the first place? What happened in the past? Hmm? Well, the past now for Burnham, which is really her future, if she were to get back to her correct timeline. Oh my goodness. So she knows that she saved the universe, but what universe is she in? Was it worth saving? Now I'll tell you that it is astonishing for Star Trek Discovery to see it as a TV show. It does have movie level uh, value. At certain moments in episode one, I was watching this with my brother and I was like, this looks like the JJ Abrams Star Treks. Looks just like it. There's this chase sequence. Looks just like it. It is beautiful. It is breathtaking to behold. The writing is the Star Trek writing you expect. But as my brother said, these actors know how to say the corny lines. So it's perfect for Star Trek. 
Would I call this a great show? I would not. I would call it really good. I look forward to it. I enjoy watching it. I think that they are just doing a great job still in season three, and I hope it continues. Sonequa, who is a Walking Dead veteran, is just perfect in the in the lead role. In the first episode, we don't see the rest of the crew, but we know they're there in the in the cast. So they're going to show up at some point, and I'm just looking forward to all 13 episodes of this first season. If you have not started Star Trek Discovery and you are a Star Trek fan, what are you waiting for? You've got to get CBS All Access in some way to do that. They did air the first season on CBS, but there's season two, there's season three, only on All Access. So I would say it's worth it in that case. If you are interested in anything sci-fi, futuristic, you know, Star Trek, Star Wars, that whole world, I know they're, they're dueling factions. Don't come for me. Anything like that, I would say check out Star Trek Discovery. It is really a trip. They are so full of ideas. They have so many ideas here that I enjoy it. There will be people, fanboys who squabble and go, oh, that doesn't make sense. What about this? I don't care. This is creativity at its finest. And now, speaking of finest, what about finales? Are these final episodes the finest that these shows have to offer? Well... The first of the two season finales I want to talk about is Last Tango in Halifax. Back to PBS. Back to something from across the pond. This ended not too long ago. Uh, So if you want to see it, you can go to the PBS app quickly. If they run out of uh, the free offerings of episodes, you can get Passport for a month and see what that's like. So in this, this is the fifth season of Last Tangle in Halifax. And I've talked about this before. And what we have is an older couple, Ellen and Celia. They were sweethearts younger in their younger years. And after they've had their own families and kids, they've come back together and gotten married. So they've blended their families. Okay. And what do their adult children think? They each have a daughter. So they're now seven years into their marriage and Brexit has happened. Oh boy. Alan was against, Celia was for. How does it affect their relationship? Also, Alan has a brother who was uh, living in Down Under. He was in New Zealand. His name is Ted. He wants to come visit. Why? Something's going on with him. Hmm. Also, Alan decides, hey, I want a job. He goes to a local supermarket, you know, just doing the checkout stuff. Why? Does he want to get away from his wife? Is there something else going on? And as a result of this, he encounters a a young kid. And this kid has dirt all over his face. Does he have parents? Where does he live? He's always in trouble with the cops and other people. So how do Alan and this kid relate? What's this kid's interest in him? What's his interest in the kid? Is the kid after his resources, or something else happening. Now, when it comes to Alan and Celia's kids, their two daughters, Celia's daughter, Caroline, is the principal of a school. She's come out. She was married to a man who was unfaithful. She left him. And then she married another woman and they had a kid. But that woman met a tragic end. She still has the kid whom she's raising. And the thing is, her ex-husband, is dating a woman who is a superstar author. Her name is Judith. And Caroline decides to invite Judith into the school for a talk because she's written, she's like a J.K. Rowling figure. Think of it that way. But 
Caroline doesn't know all of her work that well. She doesn't want to interview her. She goes to a fellow teacher in the school. But does she want more from this teacher than just, hey, can you meet with me to figure out how we're going to come up with an interview that's good for Judith? Is there more going on? How does this teacher receive that? How does Caroline receive that? Hmm. Now, when it comes to Alan's daughter, well, Jillian, she's always struggling to make ends meet. And she's running the family farm. That's difficult. And something happens that throws everything up in the air. Someone defaces a part of their property. Or is it a defacement? Maybe it's something that'll lead to money. Who did it? What am I talking about? You'd have to watch to find out. And of course, both uh, Caroline and Jillian have children, their children are now growing up and they're doing things that are complicating the issue. So this is another soap opera thing. It comes to us from Sally Wainwright. And uh, one of the stars here is Sarah Lancashire. Sally and Sarah worked together on just a bristling show, absolutely bristling that the ref and I love so much. So if you haven't seen it, it's called Happy Valley. That ain't nothing like this. I'm gonna tell you that. That is some deep, tough crime drama stuff. So this is much lighter. It's it's really a light, respectable kind of soap opera. They're having a good time. These actors know how to relate to each other by now really well. Um, is this like the best of all of its seasons? No, but it's a comfortable watch. If you've watched it before, keep watching it now. If you just want a comfortable kind of a soap opera family thing where we have all of these crazy things happening, but it's a really soft presentation that I would say Last Tangle on the Halifax is for you. And now the final of our season finales and of all of these shows that I've gone through is a big one. Lovecraft Country has ended. It just ended on HBO, all 10 episodes Will it have a season two? We'll find out. It was developed by Misha Green based on the novel of the same, novel of the same name by Matt Ruff. It is executive produced by some heavyweights, uh, notably J.J. Abrams and Jordan Peele. It stars Journey Smollett, who worked with Misha on Underground. It stars Jonathan Majors, Anjanou Ellis, Courtney B. Vance is in here, Wumi Mosaku, sorry. And Wumi uh, is in a whole bunch of stuff. She is a British actress doing great work. I'm going to tell you that. Watch Kiri. I've mentioned that before. Uh, she'll be in His House, a movie that Netflix has. Jamie Chung is in it. Abby Lee. Michael K. Williams as well. So, talked about this after its premiere. Talked about how in the first episode, it didn't click into place really until we started hearing the voice of James Baldwin, because this show takes Lovecraft's themes and his racism and spins it. It deals with a lot of our social racial issues now in a period piece, because this is during the 1950s. So what's all of this like? Each episode really does a different aspect of Lovecraftian works. So you get my goodness, you get these vampire monsters in episode one. You then get a haunted house. You get people who want immortality. You get uh, shape-shifting. You get exorcisms and, and uh, possession. You get uh, curses. You get uh, interdimensional uh, time travel and, and other things like that. 
It has everything in the book. You even get an episode that is straight out of Indiana Jones, literally straight out of it. So how is it possible to do all of that episode to episode and keep the main storyline going? Because the main storyline really surrounds Letty and Tick, played by Journey and Jonathan. They have a connection that develops over this season that we'll see that leads into the future. But will they have a future? Because Tick is um, from a family that gives him certain uh, important blood, I'll say. And this blood leads to possible immortality for someone else. And this someone else is Abby Lee's character, Christina. Her father wanted immortality as well. We see how that ends early on. So what's Christina up to? And Christina is all inside of these people's lives. In particular, Wumi's character, Ruby, who is Journey's character, Letty's half-sister. Now, these sisters don't get along that well. Why not? The mother is involved, who is now dead. So Christina connects with Ruby. How? In what way? Hmm. And why is she connecting to Ruby? Is it genuine or is there an ulterior motive? So Tick is in trouble. And what they're trying to do is figure out how to stop his eventual demise. There is a particular book of spells that they need to look for that's a part of his family. But that book of spells is nowhere to be found. How can they find it? They also go to Tick's father, who did not do a good job raising him, I'll tell you that, played by Michael K. Williams, Montrose. What's Montrose up to? What are his demons? What has he had to contend with? Why wasn't he there for Tick when Tick was a kid? You'll find out. And his brother's played by Courtney B. Vance. His name is George. And George goes around, travels the country to find, to create a travel guide and update a travel guide for Black people so they know where they can go in the country and be safe. Remember, this is the 1950s. His wife is played by Anjanou Ellis, Hippolyta. And she comes into her own by the end of this season. I'm going to tell you that. Don't mess with Hippolyta. So this big arc, can it withstand all of the other stuff I talked about? Can we have the Lovecraftian stuff episode to episode? You never know what you're going to get. You have the social, racial commentary, and you have this longer storyline as well. Is it possible? There's also Jamie Chung's character who's connected to Tick because Tick is a veteran of the Korean War. She is Korean. What is their relationship like? It's too much to keep track of. I'm going to tell you that. I'll tell you watching this show, it lost me. I, I just have to be honest. It lost me. I could not connect with the main storyline because it was all over the place. They really didn't do a good job of having these episodic events happen, sci-fi, horror, and the larger storyline. I didn't care. I did not care. There were certain parts that I was interested in. The whole shape-shifting thing that brings in Ruby's character played by Woonmi, interesting. But you get like an episode or an episode and a half of it. Okay. Hippolyta, what happens to her in Ingenue's performance? Compelling when we get there. This pulls in the interdimensional travel stuff. But that's not in... That could be its own show. It's not. It's, you know, that's the whole thing. The Indiana Jones episode. Okay, fun. But you just don't care. I didn't care. And I certainly didn't, uh, wasn't able to go with them fully when it came to the racial commentary as a result. They had lofty ambitions. They didn't achieve it for me. I can't say that if they had a season two, I would watch it. 
I did finish this just because I appreciate these people. I appreciate their previous works. I did want to give them a fair shot. But to be honest, if it were anyone else, probably I would have stopped and wouldn't have finished season one. So, I mean, look, this is on HBO. It is now on HBO Max. If you have access to that, you can watch the whole thing at any time and you can find out for yourselves if just the whiplash of going from here to there to there and everywhere is going to work for you. It didn't work for me, unfortunately, but I'll tell you this. They had ideas to spare and they were going for it. I will give them that. So that takes care of our TV talk for this week. So many different things. There are more things coming down the TV pipeline. I know the next time we'll do a TV talk, we'll have The Crown from Netflix. Looking forward to that season four, what's going on there and even more. So that takes care of my duties. When the ref gets back from vacation, of course, we'll be back together and we'll give you even more fun TV, film, everything. So that takes care of it, everybody. I'm sure one of these shows or maybe more will work for you and we'll keep bringing them to you in the future. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea. And we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.